Hello and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and thank you for joining me on this sports podcast where we do have a lot to talk about today, starting with the NFL Week 9, talking to my good buddy Ryan Souls. We break down all the action. The Patriots suffer their first loss to the Ravens. Lamar Jackson looks sensational. What does that mean for the AFC pecking order? The Chiefs win without Mahomes. The Chargers killed Packers and one of the biggest upsets of the week and a lot more in the world of pro football as we look ahead to week 10 headlined by Niners Seahawks NFC West showdown on Monday night and then after that I talked to Jose Young's MMA fightings Jose Young's as he was live at UFC 244 for the BMF title fight between Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz we talked about that stoppage and the rest of the cars some interesting finishes on there Preview some big fights coming up in the world of USC. Always got to sneak in a little wrestling, too. So it's Ryan Souls and Jose Young's on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect to talk some NFL football. More than halfway through now, nine weeks into the season. Ryan Souls on the line. Ryan, thanks for calling in. It's November in the NFL season. Yeah, this is money time getting into November and December. I can't believe we spoke like four weeks ago, a quarter of the way through, and we're over half, like you said. Now it's crazy. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to, to discuss, some of it good, some of it very, very bad. But the game that everyone's talking about on the national sense, and for obvious reasons, Ryan, the Ravens handled the Patriots at home, hand them their first loss. Lamar Jackson never looked better in, in pretty much all of everybody's opinions. 37-20 to 20 was the score, and uh, it was just a great day all around for the Ravens. The Patriots' first real test, they do not pass. Jackson, 163 yards through the air with a touchdown. Also, 61 yards with two touchdowns on the ground. And he might have had better statistical days, Ryan, but given the moment, given the opposition, given, uh, given just what the challenge in front of him was, this was uh, the most impressed I was with Lamar Jackson and that Ravens offensive ground attack as a whole. A hundred percent. And, you know, Lamar Jackson completely played within what the game plan was because the coaching staff knew, he knew that the way the Patriots like to play with these big, strong linebackers, they're not very fast. So, defenses like his I think any defense hates to account for the quarterback as an offensive threat outside of his arm so you have to you know it's a hat on a hat for everybody and it just it makes it difficult and Lamar knew that and he exploited that uh and it, it was really really fun to watch uh, just considering we haven't seen the Patriots play any competition this, thus far yeah and and we got to give credit to some other people I mean Mark Ingram 15 carries 115 yards it's like 7.7 mm-hmm. a pop you know, he, he isn't getting talked about as much, a veteran now, and just fitting into this scheme. Greg Roman's offense, I mean, if we're looking for new head coaches, and I might be myself, uh, this is a guy that should be considered because what they've done, how they revamped this team, you know, you could mix in Gus Edwards too, Lamar Jackson running, and then you mix in the throwing with guys like Hollywood Brown and the tight ends they have. Mm-hmm. This team is catered around Lamar Jackson. He made some great plays, and I would also say that, look, they the Patriots – Patriots knew he was going to run, and he still ran. So there's something Absolutely. to be said about being able to do what the defense is trying to take away, which doesn't necessarily happen to a Bill Belichick team, which, to be fair, they are playing for championships. They're not going to win every game, and the season starts now for that team. I also think that maybe they didn't – I'm not going to say they, they, they threw this, the towel in on this game by any stretch, but you might not be seeing all of Bill Belichick's game plan here. Is that, is that fair to say? 
Oh, I think it's 100% fair to say I was talking with a couple friends, uh, girlfriend actually, before the game, and I was like, Bill Belichick isn't going to show everything just because he knows there's a chance he could see this team again down mm. the road. Yeah. And the big thing is here is Lamar Jackson presents that problem of, yeah, you have to spy him, but who do you spy him with? You can't spy with a linebacker. If you spy him with the DB, then that's a guy you've taken out of coverage. So I don't think Bill Belichick is going to completely share his philosophy is how he deals with something like that. But I think he just wanted to come out and play as principal defense as possible while accounting for his skill set, and they got torched. Yeah, and it was really, you know, it was a 17-point game. There were stretches in this game where it went, momentum went a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, the Patriots had a couple plays that really cost them. The the offsides on the field goal attempt that turned into a touchdown drive to start the game was huge. The Adam and fumble, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a couple different things, and we know the Patriots are going to morph into whatever their offense is you know, down the stretch, that's what they do. They can play a bunch of different styles, whichever suits their personnel. But as it stands, the team that won the Super Bowl last year was very run-heavy, relied on a good defense that got even better. When you're down 17 nothing, you know, you can't give the ball to Michelle and James White and Burkett as much as you can. They only got a combined 17 carries. Brady is the GOAT with all things considered, but I don't think the best strategy is him throwing the ball 46 times a game playing catch-up. Especially when you can't protect them and they're on their fourth left tackle, I mm, think, in yeah, the last two years. And But one thing on the um, the Edelman fumble, and I'm not taking anything away from the Ravens at all, but if that ball doesn't come out, I think it was Marlon Humphrey. Um, maybe it was Austin Moore who caused the fumble, but I know Humphrey was involved in the play. We might be having a different conversation because mm-hmm. the Patriots looked like they had the Ravens gas and they probably were going to score – three if not seven if that play doesn't happen just based on how that drive is looking true and and, and look i still think the, I mean, no one's going to pronounce them dead we've all learned our mistakes but from our mistakes before the road to the super bowl is most likely going to go through foxborough unless the ravens get even in the loss column uh mm-hmm. that said i do think belichick kind of is going to enjoy well, we're recording this on tuesday probably loved that monday meeting just being able to torch these guys and, and tell Absolutely. them to, and knock them off their high horse and say we haven't done anything, and, and that's what makes him great. The Ravens are, are right there and probably clearly the second-best team in the in the AFC with the Mahomes injury. There's a legitimate chance they get that two-seed, and with this style of attack, there's a chance that they're making that run at the Super Bowl themselves. A hundred percent, and you know, there's really no book on how to stop this type of attack with a quarterback who doesn't have to rely completely on his athleticism. It's the sheer threat that he can take off. And we we don't even know what his 40 time is because he didn't run one. But the fact that he can take off combined with the throws that they've asked him to make, he can make. There really is no book on that. So I think they'll go as far as he'll take them. And as long as the Ravens can play from in front, I don't know really who can beat them in Baltimore. Now, if they got to play from behind, that's a different story. But if they if they play from in front, they're, they're as hard to beat as anybody. Right. Lamar Jackson is a legitimate star at the quarterback position. There's no denying that anymore. I think some of the skepticism was fair given the style he plays. And last year, the Chargers beat him in the playoffs. He has a bad game. They made him throw a bunch. This year, Ryan, they have revamped their running attack, so you can't really take the run away. There's, there's too many options there, so um, we'll see what happens there. That was the big story of the week for sure. 
the second thing that stood out to me, I don't know if it was the same for you, Ryan, but uh, just the humbling that the Packers got. If it wasn't for that Patriots-Ravens game, this might have been the lead story, I think, in the NFL this Sunday, that the 7-1 and Packers went to the Chargers place in Carson, California, a soccer stadium which mo- with mostly Packer fans, and got absolutely destroyed by the Chargers, twenty-six to eleven. L.A. moves to twenty, moves to four and five, but the Packers had fifty yards of offense late in the third quarter. I mean, this was just a butt kicking. Uh, no other words to put it. What do you think went wrong for Green Bay to get totally annihilated like this? You know, I have no idea. This is it's one of the strangest things we've seen this season, and I can't remember. Really, since Aaron Rodgers has been there, including, you know, the regime with Mike McCarthy for most of his career, can you remember the Packers offense looking that bad for a half? Um, wow. They're, uh, you know, I, God, I'd have to think. I, it's tough. Yeah, I feel I like mean, maybe some of those Niners or, or Seahawks games, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. You know, yeah. and, and this is what stands out to me, Ryan. We forget, probably because of his brother, too, but Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, or as good of a tandem as there is in the NFL. I know the Niners are making their move too, but defensively, they were just destroying the Packers' O-line, an O-line that's pretty solid, solid to good. Bakhtiari uh, cannot block Joey Bosa. And that's a borderline pro baller who is getting just destroyed by Bosa. Ingram is getting in there too. There's still a lot of talent on this Chargers team. We were talking before we started about the underachieving teams this year, like the Browns and your Eagles. and The Chargers are up there. They're three and five. They got lucky to be three and five on that missed field goal last week by the Bears. But now to four and five, this win still a lot of talent. Uh, I I think this was a team that was better than their record, playing a Packers team that, you know, I don't know what's going on in that locker room, but they're seven and one. They might be feeling pretty good about themselves. And uh, you know, you got to take every game serious. You got to come out of the gate going. Uh, this was a, this was why you can't write down automatic victories for a team because Green Bay did not get any momentum at all. They never got settled, and Bosa and Ingram made life miserable for them. Absolutely, and I think the best thing that happened to the Packers on this, you know, beatdown, as you put it, was that no one in their division won on Sunday. Zero and four NFC North, and yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't too long ago we were talking about multiple teams from that division, maybe even three making the playoffs. Doesn't exactly right. seem as likely now. Um, it's the arms race for the for the NFC playoffs with how much better it looks in the AFC. So this is a loss that you learn from. You, you try to do better, but you wonder if it might cost them going forward, like if it's going to cost them a buy if they turn it around with the Niners and the Saints doing well too. So something That's to, what I wonder too. Something to monitor there. Ryan Souls here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, on a positive note, because I don't want it to all be negative, a big shout-out to... The uh, the unsung hero of this week, for sure, and he's a sung hero this week, but the guy that had his moment in the sun, Ryan, that's Matt Moore for the Chiefs. What mm-hmm. a day he had leading the Chiefs to a victory over the Vikings, 26-23 at home on the Harrison Bucker last-minute five-second field goal. Matt Moore was an assistant coach at a middle, at a middle school, I think it was, uh, last year or over the summer, threw 25 for, for 35, 275 yards and a touchdown. Uh, just a great job for him, a game that they needed to kind of have to keep afloat in the AFC without Mahomes. This was Andy Reid at his best. Now, there's a lot There's a lot that he does wrong. Most of it involves the clock. But mm-hmm. he formulated a game plan to fit his team, to fit his personnel that he had, and he got the job done. This was very much like the Saints. They didn't make excuses. Breeze goes down. Saints don't make excuses. They let this, They trust the process of the system, and they get a win over a quality team. Very much so with the Chiefs. Maybe my most impressive performance of the week. So, you know my love-hate with Andy Reid. Oh, yeah. And I'm not 
trying to take anything away from him or Matt Moore. But even regards, you know, it's hard even talking about him with the past accusations, to be honest with you. But the reason why they won this game is Tyreek Hill, six receptions, 140 yards and a touchdown. What was his most impressive play of the game? It wasn't even a catch, right? It was when he ran down Damian Williams. That was, that was ridiculous. <laughs> it was insane how fast he was. Williams is another guy that needs credit because they're starting to go to him more. He can break the big play like he did in that touchdown. And the Chiefs defense, the much maligned defense, Ryan, uh, two of the last three weeks. Really, that Packers game, they actually played pretty well, too. I mean, they didn't shut down Green Bay, but they did okay. But they they get the Denver win when Mahomes goes out. Mahomes goes out. And Kirk Cousins, love him or hate him, he had the highest QBR going into this week in the NFL. The Chiefs do a good job down the stretch uh, on him as well. So uh, I, I think it was just a, a gutty performance. It was that momentum game and one you you know, you rally around in the locker room because with Mahomes out, you know, it's, it's tough. A lot of teams would crumble in this situation with their superstar out. Absolutely. And not to spend too much time on the Chiefs, but I don't want us to kind of ignore the hidden stats going on here because I think going forward, yeah, this was a good win in terms of keeping pace uh, in the AFC. All of a sudden, you know, the Raiders perform a little better than expected. They win a game here and there. Chargers are back in it. Um, So that could be interesting down the stretch. But I'm saying all of that to say Damon Williams had that big run, but the team as a whole only rushed the ball 18 times. And as the weather starts to get cold, we're going to see Mahomes come back. This team is going to have to be able to win games controlling the football. And they got to be able to run it more than 18 times. That's true. That's true. For the Vikings, it was a tough loss. Uh, Still 6-3, and still in that second wild card spot, and a lot of meaningful football left for them. But, you know, props to the Chiefs there. All right, I think it's time for me to kind of vent a little bit about the Browns and now two and six Browns. Yeah, no, I uh, you know I got most of it. It's just depressing at this point because two and six is the farthest thing from what anybody expected. Uh, They lose a game to a quarterback who hadn't even thrown an NFL pass before, Brandon Allen, which is even more reason to get upset. Uh, Twenty four nineteen was the final, and this is what I'll say: Uh, the team's still unorganized. Kitchens is losing control, not just of, of the team and, and you know whether they're disciplined or not, but the personnel, it seems like. Someone will have to explain to me why Nick Chubb wasn't on the field in key situations, why there aren't more design plays to get the ball to their playmakers. Jarvis Landry had his first touchdown of the season. Odell Beckham was, was playing great. I know it looks like Baker missed him on that last throw, which he did, but why are we not tar- trying to target him with all the weapons that we have? Four field goals early in the first half in the second quarter on red zone drives. And just another lack of discipline performance. I would, at best for case scenario for Freddie Kitchens, Ryan, I would strip the play calling from him. Worse to know what that would be. But it's just a, a terrible performance. Again, Baker looks like he's either regressing poorly or being you know coached improperly. Probably a little bit of both or a lot of both. And uh, the 2-6 and six Browns, it was just a whole lack of urgency by that locker room that stood out to me as well. Uh, a must-win game that they had to have and didn't feel like they needed it as much, and, and Denver gets the win at home. So that's all I have. Yeah, I think to your point of the coaching and the play of the quarterback, it's I think it's a lot of both. And 
the unfortunate part here is like like you said, man, the attention to detail just from from the penalties to Freddie Kitchens not knowing that there are three timeouts on a football game and a half that you can use and dumb challenges and right. that, that costs you timeouts. I, I know you're you got to say no. Like these players all think that they have the first down, right? They have mm-hmm. the catch. Like you no, know, you got people on tablets on your payroll that are looking at it. So Baker exactly. says he thinks he got it. Okay, maybe not pass interference. We know what the end result is there. Uh, in over his head. I mean, repeatedly in over his head. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you have a, I mean, yeah, you, we can somewhat laugh about it now, but you have a safety threatening to shoot people on uh, <laughs> on social media right. who gets released. Because clearly he, you know, maybe he doesn't, like you said when we were texting, doesn't respect, uh, you know, doesn't have any fear of repercussion anyway. So Not uh, at all. I mean, you don't respect your the, head, the authority of your head coach or GM owner if you feel like you can just threaten people in the locker room where someone from the PR team has to come remove you from the locker room so the media can't come talk to you after the game. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. That Yeah. It's just all bad right now, and it's a shame because of the high expectations and the talent on this team. You know, somebody asked me, am I more disappointed now than I was during that Owen? I mean, it, this is hitting harder than the Owen 16 season was as it progresses because well, the locker room has so much more talent in it. Right, and I'll say this. It looks like Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens are both trying to show that we can win without forcing the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. like they were earlier in the season. But there's a reason why you traded for him. There's a reason why, right? you know, before, you know, he broke his leg and when he was with the Giants that we talked about him as being one of the best receivers. And I forget the stat, but his lack of red zone targets is just preposterous. Yeah, uh, you know, you got this guy Todd Monken on staff who's kind of a guru, especially in the passing game. I would have him calling plays. It's like, what the point is he even there for? Let Kitchens worry about managing the team. And, well, what's and he, Kitchens there for? Well, he said he yeah. wasn't giving up play calling. Well, there you go. You know, I just, Baker's looks looked porous, but there's so many problems on this team. Yes, I was upset, too, that Landry and Beckham were more worried about their shoes and, than, you know, on a 2-5 and five team. Which is how it goes, but there's so many issues, and as you said, there's probably just not enough, there's just not enough veterans in the locker room to keep mm-hmm. players and people accountable. So uh, I've said my piece. The season's lost. It's unfortunate. We'll just see if they can play for pride and and for a lot of these guys' jobs going forward. Coaches too. Um, your team, Ryan Souls, here on the Money Mitch Effect. The Eagles get a win over the Bears. The Bears season is going nowhere fast. With their offense floundering, the Eagles win 22-14. to 14, But not exactly a victory. Is it fair to say, Ryan, that you can hang your head on? Like, there's still a lot left to be desired with this Eagles team now up to 5-4? and four. Oh, 100% still left to be desired. And I hate to do this, but, you know, Mitchell Trubisky is going to turn himself into my new Blake Bortles. Yeah. With just how he plays. And I, I think if, if the Bears have a different quarterback – they come back and they beat the Eagles. Now, now uh, I'm not going to make too many uh, now apologies. He's played terrible this year, but Nagy needs a lot of the. I think it's a fifty-fifty split because there, his offense, his structure of it, it has been work. bad. Has been yeah. terrible. It's uh, always. I don't know fight. that. I mean, Jace Daniel. That's not fixing it. Maybe a bona fide superstar makes a difference, but I just don't see that offense working. Making the making the Eagles secondary look good is is hard to do, as you know. It's but uh, you know, the Eagles. You know, Deshaun Jackson out for the year now, mm-hmm. going on IR with the surgery. The running game looks better with Jordan Howard getting the carries, but the passing game still. You know, you still like to see a little more out of it. Absolutely, and 
you know, we saw Zach Ertz pop a little bit. You would just you would like to see just better passing numbers with the amount of times they're throwing the ball. I mean, they threw the ball 40 times or 39 times. And the passing offense, you would think, would be a little bit more productive based on those number of attempts. But I never thought that a Super Bowl hangover, quote-unquote, could last into two years after winning it. But maybe that's what's going on here because this team – just doesn't seem to be focused, to be locked in. Uh, you know, there's some attention to detail issues there as well. The front four can't get any pressure, which is what they hung their hat on uh, when they won the Super Bowl. So I think they're just a mediocre team in the NFC, uh, sad to say, and we benefit from being in a bad division. Yeah, clearly I think the worst division and uh, in the NFC. And, yeah, I mean, you're going to – it might be enough to squeak in, maybe win if Dallas can stumble the division, but you got to protect your quarterback. Wentz has played okay. Don't want to put too much fit on him. Got to catch the mm-hmm. football, and uh, you're going to go against a good pass rush whoever you play in the playoffs if you get there. So that's part of it too. Uh, other other news and notes in the NFL this weekend that I just want to touch on briefly. Ryan, the Dolphins get their first win over the sad state Jets right now, 26-18. Uh, to 18. As long as we're piling on Freddie Kitchens, I want to read you this stat, Ryan. Adam Gase as a head coach is 24-32. and 32. 24 victories matches the amount of times he's lost by double digits. So wow. know, just as likely to lose by double digits as he is to win the game. I don't know why he's still a head coach either. Uh, Darnold's been struggling, but that offense and that, you know, that lack of identity is staggering. But good for the Dolphins. You know, they kept fighting. They're in tank mode, but I don't think Coach Flores is in tank mode. So it's good for him he got his first win. Yeah, it is good for him. Um, we saw two high school teams play each other. <laughs> and, man, it's just – I never thought I'd say a team was worse than the Dolphins, but the Jets might be. I mean – And the Redskins, least, too. I mean, the Redskins beat the Dolphins, but they're not much further along. They're not. I mean, the, those those three teams are going to be in, in competition for <laughs> the number one overall pick. And I just – I really don't know what to say here. I don't know if the the Adam Gay Sam Darnold situation is Jared Goff with with um, Jeff Fisher. I don't know if he's just a good coach away. I have no idea what to make of this. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, you would say he's not earning his money, but you're going to put eight in the box every time because you're not worried about anybody else. No, no. It's a sad state there. Jets, Redskins later, so later this year. So let's look forward to that one. I ain't watching that. (laughs) No, not at all. Not at all. Something else I wasn't looking forward to seeing was the Steelers get back to 500, beating the Colts. Might be the end of Adam Vinatieri. I hate to say it, but to his defense on the last one, I know it was a terrible miss, but everyone knows the laces go out. I mean, Ace Ventura taught us that. Yeah, <laughs> word, word. Yeah, it's just, you know, I mean, he's been, he missed an extra point, too, and that cost them. I and mean, obviously, oh, Brissette, no. Brissette going out, too, is another big one. But the Steelers mm-hmm. rally. I mean, they, they had a game that they needed, and they got it done. So the Colts get knocked down a peg. Two things. One, I just think that it's sad to see, you know, a player fall, and a kicker or not, you know, he might be the greatest kicker in NFL history to watch before our eyes just this fall off a cliff. It, it's sad to watch, and I hope Vinatieri um, either can just rehab his season or just call it quits because it's it's bad to be watching him like this. And then secondly, what I would say is 
outside of the 49ers, and I know you hate to hear this, but if the season ended today, Mike Tomlin might be coach of the year. I think you'd have to consider John Gruden as well. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. A lot of football left to be played, but he's done a good job. They were 1-4. and four. He kept the team invested. This is kind of who Tomlin is, in a, is as a coach. When the expectations are low, he actually does his best work. But he got uh, nothing. I mean, but they got nothing. They've had expectations with at least odd pieces on the offense. They lost 90% of their offense mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then got hurt. Yeah, it's crazy. He's done a great job. I can't take it away from him as much as I want them to lose every week. Uh, I just I mentioned Gruden. They're five hundred two. They beat the Lions. Big defensive stand late. Raiders last year and you know one final swan song in Oakland it seems. But this team it might not be the prettiest to watch. Carr is is actually playing efficient football. Like he's not mm-hmm. slinging it around as much as he used to, but he's pretty accurate. They have Jacobs, who's probably the offensive rookie of the year right now. Absolutely. Offense is pretty confident. I can't say enough about Josh Jacobs and. I heard somebody mention this, but it rang out so true. Today's modern NFL running back, you would think, okay, running back, running the ball is the first priority, but really it's pass protection. And Alabama running backs know how to pass protect because of that pro-style offense that they play in under Nick Saban. After pass protection is pass catching. They get them. The Raiders get the running backs involved out of the backfield. And then running, and he's proven to be, you know, top half running backs in the uh, in the league this year. He's going to win rookie of the year more than likely on the offensive side of the ball. And like you say, I think we just we see Derek Carr playing better because this is the second year of that system, and they just all look a lot more comfortable. They do. Uh, I, you know, I mentioned this. I was a fan of the kid ever since I didn't see him too much on Hard Knocks. That showed a mm-hmm. lot of maturity. <laughs> Didn't want to be on the camera, just wanted to put the work in. But right, exactly. Um, you know, they're they're in the mix for sure in the AFC. That's going to be searching for playoff teams. We also had some quarterback news this week uh, in London. The Texans won again. They beat the Jaguars pretty handily. Uh, and with that, you know, they they kept up the arms race at six and three. They won twenty six and three. They're a six and three team now, and they're going to be fighting for the division, fighting for a home playoff game, maybe even a bye. Houston's looking good behind Deshaun Watson and a defense that's getting better. Minshew didn't play well, and they're going to go back to Nick Foles. Now, they have a bye week. Foles comes back. Do you think this was the right move? That's so tough to say just because of the the potential that you saw from Minshew, but I don't think he was playing well enough that Nick Foles lost his job. I, I don't think it was mm-hmm. to that point. I think... The, what you did in the offseason, getting Nick Foles there, I think you owed it to him. I think you owed it to the rest of the team, you know, to not let that talent, that plan, that vision that you had at the beginning of the year just sit on the bench. So I could see why they would maybe want to stick with Minshew just so he can get reps if Foles isn't in their long-term plans anyway. But I'm leaning towards going with Foles was the right move. Yeah, I mean, what do they always say in college that a tie usually goes, or in high school, a tie goes to the upperclassmen. In baseball, the tie goes to the runner. Minshew played well, but not well enough to to firmly have control on the job, and they paid Foles all that money. You know, they brought him in. This was their big piece that they added. Minshew did a great job keeping them afloat, as did the running game with Fournette and the defense. 
but yeah, you made uh, you, you know you make that move now because Mitch, you just didn't do enough. I want to also say about the Jaguars because we don't ever really talk about them. Josh Allen is incredible. If you watch he this kid is. play football, like this is yeah. as good as advertised. Maybe the best defensive player in that draft. This is what Dante Fowler Jr. was supposed to be, and they finally got you know now Josh Allen is a lot more versatile, but he's a monster. So good. The, the NFL is having no shortage of monsters coming out of college and then make an impact right away, uh, mm-hmm. which will happen next year with Chase Young, as we both agree. But uh, the other the other QB news, Ryan, was Cam Newton being shut down for the year from the Panthers uh, for the year. You know, it's going to be the, uh, the Kyle Allen show for them. He's doing solid enough behind McCaffrey in the defense, but... Just sad. That was the first thing I thought. It's just, it's just unfortunate that Cam never could get right. And uh, I don't know if he's going to play for the Panthers again. I don't know what kind of quarterback he's going to look post whatever you know surgery that he's going to have to have. But uh, it's just unfortunate. I'm just sad that we might not ever see Pete Cam Newton again. You know, I hear what you're saying. My pushback would be, I think honestly, this could have been a blessing in disguise because. You think at time is run it's run its course in Carolina for him? I don't even know I don't even know if the time is running its course in Carolina, but I think Cam finally gets to get right. He's gonna get his foot healed, whatever was going on with his shoulder. Before he got hurt last year, I believe this team was six and two before he went down, and this is with the new throwing motion, all that. So I think regardless that this is Cam's last, you know, performance or last hurrah with the Panthers. I think he's got a lot of good football left in him. I think that was evident before he went down to injury. And he had even talked about making a commitment to putting his body in danger less. And if he ages into, you know, a quarterback that can be really good from the pocket and rely on, you know, be a Dante Culpepper type, rely on his upper body strength and, you know, those tree trunks of legs that he has to just be – a mobile guy, but not someone who's looking to take you head on, then I don't see why Cam Newton can't have still a really good backside of his career. You know, I hear you on that. Getting healthy is the chief concern for him. I just wonder now, you know, post 30, not everyone's going to play as long as Brady and Breeze. If a year, if a, you know, if this off is going to, is going to mess up his timing, what system he's going to be in. If, if, you know, the damage he's taken might be too much. We've seen that with quarterbacks, too. So yeah. uh, I hope he hasn't lost his confidence and his ability to play at a high level. But uh, just unfortunate there. Ryan Soul's on the Money Mitch effect. Uh, lastly, before we look at our week uh, week 10 preview, which is weird to say, uh, did you learn anything from the Cowboys last night? They beat up a pretty bad Giants team. Anything positive or negative you learned from the Cowboys? So I think I learned that Dak Prescott is just going to be who he is. He's going to be... An above average quarterback, but he's gonna not he's not gonna be great. Ten to fifteen in our rankings, you think on any given year he's gonna I be think in that it, range? I, I think so. And I think if he plays closer to you know, first saying ten to fifteen with, you know, eight and seventeen being your standard deviations, uh if he plays closer to eight and Ezekiel Elliott is humming and that offensive line is playing well, then this team is good enough to get to the Super Bowl. But if he's playing closer to 17 and they can load the box and he can't get the ball to his playmakers and they can't protect him and the defense can't get to the passer, then I think you can see two totally different teams. I think that's what I learned. 
And I don't even know if we've seen Ezekiel Elliott get back to top form yet. So that's going to be scary as the season goes on because they could just win the division by default. Yeah, defensively, I think there's been some injuries. Van Der Esch missed that game, and, and you want to see them get healthy. We don't. We, we both are not big Jason Garrett fans. I don't think we're breaking no. any news to anybody that's listened. But, so. but as an Eagle fan, I, I hope he keeps his job forever. <laughs> well, that just shows you that certain games, I mean, he's the, he's got a lot of that Tomlin in him where they might get up for a game against the Eagles and come out buzzing, but mm-hmm. games against teams they're supposed to beat, you know, they lost to the Jets this year. Think about that. Think about that for a second. So that's the uh, they're a little sleepy at times, and I think that's you know you you learn that you can't really assume much with this Cowboys team. You know, if you if you pencil them in for a victory, they could let you down. But Dak is who he is, and uh, you know made some plays like Cooper is a game breaker, still has that ability. So mm-hmm. uh, you know they might be the fourth division winner, but that's still good enough for a home playoff game in the first round and a chance to make a run. So. Uh, we'll see. Ryan, it's week 10, though, as I mentioned, and we're going to end with uh, talking about our favorite games, as we always do. What stands out to you on the slate? Got some interesting ones, uh, and, and I would say the best Monday night game of the year coming up. So other than that, I mean, obviously with that, what also stands out? So let me pull it up uh, while I'm saying that outside of LSU-Alabama, which oh, might be the best football game, period, uh, coming up this of weekend. Of course. If Tua plays, this is going to live, and I think he will, but this will live up to the hype for sure. And, uh, and I just want to point out to the college fans out there, not an eliminator game. If this is a good game, you absolutely have to think the loser is going to have a playoff chance. 100%. I agree with that 100%. So the number one game that I want to see is the Monday night game, Oof, like you said. What a game. Seahawks that's... 49ers. Yeah. What a game. And Do you know the Niners are like six and a half point favorites in that one? I don't know and... if that's I don't know if that's just about right. Uh, we didn't mention that the Seahawks win that game in OT against the Bucks where their offense looks amazing and their defense looks terrible. <laughs> right, right. And to your point about the Seahawks, I don't know um being six point underdogs what their best strategy for victory is because you would think you want to keep that defense on the field you know, a long time to wear them out. But that Seahawks offensive line isn't very good. And that that pass rush is going to – we're going to see Russell Wilson's wheels on display Monday night. So I don't know how they attack this 49ers team. I think they're definitely better. I think they have more team speed. I think they're bigger up front. Uh, but I'm giving the quarterback edge 100% to Russell Wilson, and we know how much he can change and take over a game. So this is going to be fun to watch. I don't think there's really any good early games. How funny is that? Like it's all backloaded <laughs> on the schedule. I agree. Um, you know, the Thursday night game, Chargers and Raiders, that's fascinating because whoever wins that game could, could be kind of back in the driver's seat for a playoff spot. Chargers mm-hmm. get back to 5-5. Five and five. They're suddenly thinking, okay, we can – you know, have a shot at ten and six down the stretch. Raiders would be above five hundred, which would be crazy. Uh, definitely don't really care about the Giants Jets game. That's a skip for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Saints Falcons, man, just sad that this isn't a marquee game anymore. But yeah, I might, agree. But might be the game that puts the nail in the Dan Quinn coffin. Chiefs, I will say this: yeah, Chiefs, you were going to a Chiefs Titans. That could be a scary trap trap game. Mike Vrabel, he is not a great coach in my book, but he wins games he's not supposed to, so he just does. throwing it out there, but this is uh, the Mahomes thing, probably misses this week, but if they can get a win, to be 7-3. and three. I mean, wow. Uh, Ravens, Bengals, you know, trappy, probably not. I just want to see what Finley looks like as a quarterback compared to uh-huh. Andy Dalton. 
so that's obviously interesting. The Browns, how about that, Ryan? The two and six Browns versus six and two Bills. The Browns are favored in this game at home. Wow. And that's more to I, me just disrespect for the Bills and that schedule, which, hey, they you play who's on your schedule. But, uh, wow, interesting, right, that they're favorite. It is very interesting. And I, that, like you said, it was a disrespect to the Bills, but I think it's more of a disrespect to Josh Allen. They don't believe in him. No, but and he hasn't been terrible. Like, and he has. He hasn't, know. but do you trust him? So it's hard that, to say yes to question. that one. Uh, yeah. Packers-Panthers, I should mention, also is a good one to kind of see in the playoff race. The Panthers needing to need to keep needing to rack up some wins. They're in New Orleans division, but they, if they want a wild card spot, especially, how will Green Bay bounce back to their first horrible performance of the year is something to monitor as well. And the Rams didn't play last week. They got to go to Pittsburgh in an afternoon game. Not the easiest thing to do in November. Golf last year in the cold was not very good. Uh, so something to, to monitor there. And even Sunday night, Vikings-Cowboys. Cowboys get another primetime game. Surprise, surprise. But this is two teams that I do think have a lot to prove. Oh, 100%. I'll have my pom-poms out for Kirk Cousins, man. <laughs> Cousins but, stealing digs. Let's go. Cook, come on. Absolutely. But in all seriousness, uh, two teams both have a lot to prove. Uh, especially, uh, crazy enough, defensively, because we thought the Vikings would be better on defense and what they just gave up in their loss to um, the Chiefs, especially on the ground. Ezekiel Elliott should have a field day. He should. He should. So Cook, Cook could <laughs> go crazy, he, too. Absolutely. This absolutely. could be fun, two of the great runners in the league. Ryan, this was a blast. Uh, last question. Right now, through nine weeks, who's the MVP in your book? Oh, man. I'm going to cheat and give you a 1A, 1B. Oh, okay. Uh, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, man. That's good. Uh, I go Russell. I, Russell's my number one. Uh, yeah. I do think playoffs should matter in this race. Mahomes missing time is going to hurt him. Rodgers mm-hmm. has to kind of bounce back from that game. Lamar's in the mix now. And McCaffrey's got to be included. I mean, what oh, he does every week is just stupid. But I'm going Russell right now. A lot, lot can change. He could finish third in his division. He could win his division. So, But if he lights up the Niners on Monday, let me just put it this way. If you really feel confident in Russell going forward in this week, get your bets in now because if he lights up the Niners, he is going to be the prohibitive favorite. I agree 100%. All right, Ryan, big big thanks to you for coming on the Money Mitch Effect, and we'll definitely be talking again soon. Thanks for having me, bro. All right, huge thanks to Ryan Souls for coming on. And it does actually appear like Mahomes is going to play this week. So big Chiefs win there. Still venting about my Browns, but it is what it is at this point. But thanks again to Ryan for coming on. All right, now it's time to switch sports talk UFC with Jose Youngs. We get into all the action. He's a contributor at MMA Fighting. We talk about a lot that went on at Madison Square Garden. Big fight card. Look ahead to the winter fights coming up in December and November. It's some, some busy time for the UFC. We also dive into some storylines, some potential fights of 2020, and some wrestling talk as well as always. It's Jose Young's now on the Money Mitch Effect. I'm feeling smooth, ain't nothing gonna me. Yeah, my emotions harmony, yeah. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, back again by popular demand a couple months since our last chat. MMA Fighting's Jose Young's to talk some UFC and other action in the mixed martial arts world. Jose, welcome back to the show. 
What's up, man? Always happy to be on the Money Mitch Show. Because uh, whenever there's a big UFC event, I can almost count to the day when you're going to hit me up to be on. So always happy to be on. This is like a whirlwind of uh, a lot of events. We were talking about it, and you were traveling, and I'm like, you know, there's there's a lot going on. I think after 244 is a good time to kind of reassess, sit back, and catch our breath. Oh, yeah. It's been uh, a chaotic couple of weeks. It has, and I just wanted, before we get into that, though, I mean, we were talking before we went on, I almost forgot to mention it, I figured I'd just do it on here to start, but just got through my L.A. jury duty summons, and uh, it's always fun out here in California <laughs> for a lot of reasons, but I'm bringing this up for one reason, you're a combat sports fan, the one person that was in my jury pool, my panel, uh, that you might recognize, you might know if you're, a, if you will know if you're a uh, boxing fan, is uh, Showtime ring announcer, Jimmy Lennon Jr., Oh no way! That's, yeah, that's so, wild, man. So I know it was uh, definitely a down to earth guy. I mean, I was I didn't get a chance to talk to him. I mean, he's done Tyson Holyfield. That's like the first fight I remember watching. Oh but yeah. I just hope that uh, you know I wasn't selected, and uh, I hope they let him uh, announce the uh, the verdict. You know, give a, it's showtime when it's ready to go. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah, so no, it was cool. That's my uh, my segue into the real world. But uh, in the mixed martial arts world. Jose, there's been a lot going on, and uh, we'll kind of start with 245 and work our way backwards because it's a lot to catch up on. Uh, we saw Let's the BMF it. title uh, presented, and you were there in New York, which was a, uh, a pretty big event, UFC 244. The BMF title was created for this fight. Jorge Masvidal defeats Nate Diaz, or is a doctor stoppage in, uh, after the third round, before the fourth round was about to start. But Masvidal gets the win. His ascension continues, 35-13 and 13 record. And uh, I'm going to just start with this. He's been fighting for a long time, 13, 14 years now professionally. has 48 total fights. But it's just really cool to see a guy like this who has been grinding his entire life get this moment and now become, which he is, one of the transcendent stars in the sport. It's pretty cool to me to see that all this hard work pays off because he has been fighting longer than most people have been fans of uh, combat sports. Yeah, man, he's been around since the Kimbo Slice days. He was on those mm. those videos of Kimbo Fire. I think his name was like Haircut or or, or Hair. I can't remember. He's the one that had the long hair uh, that Kimbo would introduce. So uh, Jorge's been around for a long time. Fought in the old Bellator, the ESPN Deporte days. Wow. I uh, fought for Strike Force. Fought Bodog fights. Fought in the UFC now. So uh, to say Jorge Masvidal's been around the block would be an understatement. He's fought in a who's who of fight promotions. So it, it is a it is great to see someone like that who was once considered a journeyman and a gatekeeper, uh, kind of get in this this rarefied air of it doesn't matter who he fights, people are going to tune in. It's like him, Connor, Nate, John Jones, Israel Adesanya. Like, it doesn't matter who they fight. They're going to make a lot of money, and Jorge Masvidal is finally getting the credit he deserves. Now, Jose, when we talk about this fight, and Masvidal was great. Three rounds where he just dominated the action. Uh, a couple, at least one of the scorecards, maybe multiple, if I have it right, had one of those rounds, a 10-8 round. So yep. it was uh, Masvidal, just an unreal performance. But every time we talk on this show and there's a fight in New York, you always say, wait for something crazy to happen. <laughs> And here we are again. I feel like it's Groundhog Day. Not quite February yet, but again, a stoppage. It happened after round three. A lot of controversy, a lot of talk on this one. Uh, they brought up even boxing, the Tyson Fury fight that kept going. What do you think about this stoppage? Was it, in your opinion, the right call, a complicated call? How do you weigh in on this one? I mean, I don't, I, I don't think it's a bad stoppage. It's an unfortunate stoppage, is what mm -hmm. I should say, because uh, his face was gashed open. I mean, if the doctor there determines he can't fight, then he can't fight. Like that's that's it. It's not like he was a bad judge's scorecard or 
it was a poor stoppage by the ref. It was the doctor determined his health was on the line. I'm not going to argue with a trained neurologist uh, that's there that is like, no, his forehead is completely slashed open. He won't be able to keep fighting. So it's not a bad stoppage. It's just an unfortunate stoppage uh, because this was for the BMF championship, uh, as Madison Square Garden, this and that. Uh, people were expecting the BMF champion to kind of go to war, and it wasn't stopped by a, a ref. It wasn't stopped, It wasn't a judge's scorecard. It wasn't a submission. It was a doctor. So I think people are more up in arms just in the fact that a doctor stopped the BMF championship fight of the world. So not 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 right, right, right or wrong, just unfortunate. I agree. Uh, obviously, the damage was done. My question, my follow-up is this. If it's anybody other than Nate Diaz, who's proven that he's basically a zombie and could just fight through blood and, and his flesh falling off, I don't know for having as big of an issue with the stoppage. I think a lot of people, myself included, think, okay, Diaz could be down three rounds to zero being killed. If he keeps going with his cardio, he's always got a shot in rounds four and five. Yeah, I mean, he's got he got he got whooped in in the first round against Michael Johnson. He got whooped in the first round in both Conor McGregor fights. He got whooped in the first Anthony Pettis fight. So uh, I don't want I don't like to sit here and speculate like, oh, maybe rounds four and five he would have won because for all we know, Jorge Masvidal would have just kept mm-hmm. putting it on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't like to speculate, but Nate does historically do better as his opponent gets more tired. Nate did have a knee injury, so his cardio wasn't quite on point like it usually is. But uh, it's. I'm going to keep using that word. It's just unfortunate that yeah. we were robbed of four and five. Because for all we know, Mazidal would have knocked him out in the fourth round, or Nate Diaz would have knocked, would have submitted him or knocked him out in the fourth round too. Uh, there's just a lot of questions that were left unanswered. So just an unfortunate situation all around. For sure, you know Diaz is going to keep fighting. Uh, he's right in the mix to uh, you know fight in a couple different divisions. Mazidal. He's kind of in the driver's seat. We mentioned his star power. Uh, we'll see what happens, right, with this title fight with Covington and Usman. But here's Masvidal waiting and, and more deserving than anybody to just be next in line. Yeah, he has pretty much a pick of anyone he wants to fight. Uh, personally, I'd like to see him run it back with Nate. Both of them, like, Corey has a couple hand injuries. He needs to heal up. Nate needs to get that facial surgery, like that plastic surgery his brother has got, where, like, all the scar tissue above his, his eyes kind of gets cleaned out. Uh, Vanderlei Silva had the same thing. That's yeah. why they kept getting gashed open. Uh, so they they both need to heal up. So if they do want to run it back, maybe in the summer. Um, if they don't want to go the immediate rematch, like they want to give Jorge maybe another fight, uh, maybe Jorge, if, if Col- especially if Colby Covington wins, maybe they do Colby Covington and uh, Jorge Masvidal uh, International Fight Week in the summer. I think mm-hmm. that would be the perfect headliner for the welterweight championship of the world, former friends and teammates turned bitter enemies. Uh, so the storyline is there. Uh, it just we really it really like and obviously the Conor McGregor fight is there. Conor wants to fight him. Uh, it just really depends on uh, what happens in that welterweight championship fight. A lot going on. A lot of potential fights. It was a, a good win for Masvidal. He wins the BMF title over Nate Diaz. Presented by The Rock, Jose. I know where you stand yeah. with this. How how was that? Were the butterflies churning when he came into the uh, the arena with the belt? It, it was pretty wild, man. Like they did the. Uh, obviously you've seen The Rock perform live in mm-hmm. wrestling events and you've mm-hmm. seen him on TV they did the song they did the lights they did the effects on the screen you remember you know when he stands up on the turnbuckle and they oh, have yeah. like that that crane camera that loops around they did it all man it was wild so it was a crazy scene seeing The Rock enter MSG at a UFC event uh, he's going to be starring in a biopic uh, about Mark Kerr one of the earliest stars of the uh, UFC's Dark Ages so Really interested to see not only him play a UFC fighter, but The Rock take on like a very dramatic role. Because uh, Mark Kerr's story is pretty sad. Uh, so The Rock was there doing his promos and everything. So uh, 
all around a very, very awesome night for 13-year-old Jose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could imagine. Uh, let me just tell you, watching this fight at kind of a house party, watch party for this fight, and uh, The Rock comes out. People that might have been just tuning out, you know, the female fans, then they all perk up, and they're like, wow, okay. <laughs> just shows you, once again, lesson number three million that everybody loves The Rock. So, everyone loves the rock. There we are. So everyone loves a fist fight, and everyone loves the rock. You put them together, and you make magic. It was it was incredible. Uh, Jose Young's from MMA fighting here on the Money Mitch Effect. The uh, middleweight fight that went on second last between uh, Darren Till and Gastelum Till, getting a split decision win. Now, this fight might not have been the most appealing on the eyes. Till moves up in weight to beat Gastelum. He was a pretty sizable underdog, and and that was some smart betting advice that I saw out there was to give Till a chance in this fight. A split decision that had a couple 30-27 cards go against each other. So it was 129-28 yeah. for Till that won it. What did you think of this fight? Till needed this win after some, some setbacks to Woodley and Masvidal. Gastelum just didn't quite do enough, it seemed, or did you think he actually won this fight? Uh, I had a 29-28 Darren Till, but if it was, if it was 29-28 uh, Kelvin, I wouldn't have an issue. Uh, it was pretty. It was so close. But I like like the like the saying goes. Not every close fight is a robbery. It's you can have close mm-hmm. fights that that have winners and, and that are hard to score, right? I mean, like this yeah, was a absolutely. hard fight to score. Yeah, not a lot of action happened. Uh, but in the end, like he won fair and square. He got his hand raised. Kelvin wasn't like overly angry about it. I think he was more angry at himself. Uh, I think a lot of the narrative is what Darren Till. I mean, what Kelvin did wrong, but Darren Till held his own against one of the greatest well, middleweights on planet Earth. So, uh, fair play to him. He won. He's now in the top five, like right away. Uh, so it's not a bad night for Darren Till, especially because he had the fight week from hell. His play, uh, he had visa issues. He didn't even know his, if his he had a knee injury. Uh, he said he was too scared to fight at one point. So uh, he he even tried to like fake an injury to get out of the fight. So it's uh, it was good to see him get a win after probably the most difficult week of his life. He looked pretty comfortable at middleweight, too, not having to cut as much yeah, weight. Um, absolutely. Got to say, I mean, I know you've been covering UFC for a while and mixed martial arts, and you've seen some finishes. But that Kevin Lee one was frightening. <laughs> I mean, that was – maybe it was the position that Gillespie was in uh, at the end, but my goodness <laughs> – yeah, that's Kevin. Like you're talking about, Darren Till needed to win. Kel- Kevin Lee needed to win, like no one else. Uh, coming off back-to-back losses uh, to Ayakinta and then his uh, failed run at welterweight against Rafael dos Anjos. So uh, Darren Till needed to win. Kevin Lee might have might have needed to win even more, and he did so in exactly what he needed to do. I mean, uh, 10 o'clock rolled around, 10 o'clock uh, local time, so 7 p.m. your time. Uh, the president had just shown up for the main card. Everyone's tuning in. The Rock just gets to the arena, this and that. So uh, the first fight of the night is the first fight of the pay-per-view. The main card is always a really big deal. This one uh, felt like an even bigger deal. And Kevin Lee decapitated Gregor Gillespie uh, in one of the most violent. I think that's up there with Ronda, Valentina Shevchenko, Edson Barbosa, Gregor. What's his name? Gabriel Gonzaga, Michael Krogov. That's one of the best head kicks I've ever seen in my life. So... Uh, it's not a bad night for Kevin Lee, that's for sure. No, and it was desperate. You don't want to see him that desperate, apparently. Uh, wow, one round, just 247, and cleans him up. That was, was impressive. I do, I do want to say it was, it was his first fight uh, with Farasa Hobby was his head coach up in TriStar, and that's uh, George St. Pierre's mm-hmm. gym. So you can Good really point. see the like it's his first fight because like, he, he trained under Robert, Fa- Robert Fallis for a long time, uh, the late Robert Fallis, who unfortunately took his own life. 
uh, I think in 2018, 2017, and uh, Kevin Lee's kind of been floating out there without much direction since the last, not not just the loss of his coach, but like the loss of like a real mentor. Uh, and this was the first fight with a new head coach, so it, it really showed uh, what can be done when he has his head on straight. For sure. It was an emotional win for him and one that he definitely needed to have, uh, Jose. Speaking of uh, speaking of big wins, I do want to talk about one of our favorite characters in the UFC, the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. What <laughs> decision win. And I, I got to tell you, for a heavyweight fight, that was very entertaining. I, I, I use the word entertaining and not necessarily violent. That was a contrast in styles. I thought it could have gone both ways. I, I, I honestly thought... That it was a coin flip finish. That I think it was that second round, second or third, that was so hard to score. Uh, Black Beast gets the win. Is he back in the picture at heavyweight? I know he's about five on the ranking, but where do you think he, this win catapults him? Uh, this one kind of, it, it's, I think it stays, it keeps him where he is in the rankings, but it kind of elevates him in the eyes of the fans uh, because it shows that he can put on a good performance. He, can, he doesn't have to knock you out. He can have exciting fights. So I, I wouldn't say this. He's not going to be fighting for the championship mm-hmm. anytime soon. He'll fight maybe like a Curtis Blades. Maybe they run it back with Francis Ngannou. Maybe uh, if he, I know he really wants to fight Greg Hardy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so he'll be paying. I know he'll be paying attention to that fight uh, against Greg Hardy and Alexander Volkov in, uh, this weekend. Uh, so it's not again, but again, Blagoy Ivanov had a phenomenal fight too. He did uh, very exciting fight. He was bleeding from his eyes. People don't mention that. Uh, so, but but great fight. Uh, but he's not going to fight for the title soon. Uh, but this is what Derek Lewis needed again, because people don't talk about. He was on a two-fight losing streak too, to Daniel Cormier and Junior Dos Santos. So he gets a tough, gritty victory. Uh, so a uh, great day for the Black Beast. Yeah, it certainly was. And uh, even off story, like I had no idea. <laughs> like I had no idea what he went through. It's crazy that story well, Black, about I, basically I almost mean, dying. Yeah, Black Ivanov has been stabbed in the back. Uh, I mean, he's bleeding from his eyes, too. Like, So these were two bad dudes in there throwing <laughs> leather at each other. So uh, it's fitting that someone, uh, that Blagoj Ivanov is fighting on the main card of the undercard of a, of the ba- the BMF championship of the world, and no one is talking about him being a BMF. Uh, so I'm glad both of these guys got, got, the, got their credit uh, because both of them have been around for a long time. It was also good to mention here, Jose, uh, Wonder Boy Stephen Thompson's performance yeah. in the welterweight fight there, just putting yeah. on a clinic. Uh, I just I, I like watching him fight because it's different. I don't see many fighters that have his style. I don't think there's anyone on planet Earth who has his style. Maybe Darren Till, maybe uh, Sage Northcutt, but uh, phenomenal fight uh, for Stephen Thompson. And again, this has been like the theme of the of the night. Like another guy who was in desperate need of a win uh, has had a couple losses. Technically. Not even technically, was the last man to defeat Jorge Masvidal before the stellar run he's had. Uh, and then he got knocked out badly by, um, he, he lost to Darren Till, got knocked out by Anthony Pettis. So it's, again, theme of the night, he needed the win and got it. He did. Uh, and, and I want to also say before we kind of turn the page on 244, Corey Anderson, he was also co-performance yeah. of the night, the last of the prelims, uh, along with co-performance of the night with Kevin Lee. Johnny Walker was like the rising star, maybe one of the rising stars in UFC, and Corey Anderson stopped him. Like he stopped him quick. He he did it in the first round. I mean, this was not what a lot of people expected, but maybe you did because you have your your heart to the pulse on this one. So, were you surprised that Anderson finished uh, Johnny Walker like that? Uh, I I was surprised he finished him that early. Uh, Corey Anderson was very angry. I spoke to him a couple weeks before the fight, and I've never seen Corey Anderson so agitated in my life. 
He said, the UFC wants me to lose. They want Johnny Walker to win. They want him to fight John Jones in December. They don't care about me. I'm just a number to them. If they don't like me, they can cut me. He was like that. I, that was a media day. It had Kamara Usman, Cejudo, Kelvin, Gaethje, uh, Marlon Moraes, Cody Garbrandt, like you name, like Anthony Johnson was there. And the best interview of that day was Corey Anderson. He was absolutely on fire. He just threw, he roasted the UFC for uh, uh, misrepresenting him. Uh, and then he wins, go, loses his damn mind at, at Johnny Walker, the ref, the fans. Like he's from New York. And the MSG fans booed him at the weigh-ins. And, you know, he took such offense to that that he was like, you're all dead to me, this and that. So uh, eventually apologized. He should fight for the title next. If not, maybe wait a little while if, it, if, if they want to do the Dominic Reyes, John Jones fight, maybe fight the winner of that. But uh, Corey Anderson, there are a lot of questions whether he can win spectacularly because usually his wins uh, are grinding. Like he, they, They're not the most aesthetically appealing wins, but a win is a win. And he went out there and starched and stopped the hype train, as he said. So uh, phenomenal performance uh, by Corey Anderson. Exactly what he needed. It was. It was stunning to see. And, uh, yeah, this guy maybe fights better when he's angry. I don't know. Uh, all right, Jose Young's Money Mitch Effect. UFC 244 was great. I want to do some, some quick-hitting questions with you in the mixed martial arts world. Let's start with this. Uh, I, I, I'm intrigued to hear your reaction. You know, a week before we had the Singapore fight where Ben Askren lost, choked out by Damian Maia in the third round of their fight. It was Askren's second straight loss. Not what he was expecting, not what some fans were expecting after the trade for Demetrius Johnson uh, to bring him over to UFC. Dana White is uh, backing him publicly, at least, saying he wants to see him yeah. keep fighting. What do you think's next for Askren, and do you think there is some genuine support behind him in the UFC, or do you think uh, we could be, I don't want to say nearing the end of the relationship here, but it could be souring a little bit? I don't think it's souring because uh, I know what Dana White means when he's backing him because Jorge Masvidal wouldn't be a megastar if it wasn't for Ben Askren. Like Ben Askren talks that fight into existence, did all the promotion, and then get, gets knocked out, and Jorge Masvidal piggybacks off that. So Ben Ask like Jorge, I know he's gonna hate it, but Ben Ask like Jorge Masvidal owes Ben Askren a beer after that one for for all the the crap he talked and everyone tuned in for that. Like if you look at those numbers from that UFC two thirty nine fight week uh, on our YouTube page, Ben Askren blows everyone out of the water uh, yeah. in terms of in terms of clicks and video views, and then Jorge Masvidal just took all that shine from him uh, in five seconds. So I don't think it's souring. Uh, he's a, Ben Askren is a phenomenal coach, so he'll be around for a long time. Uh, what's next for him? I don't know. Maybe the, maybe he gets a, a lower ranked opponent. Uh, maybe he, they run it back with Robbie Lawler, like Dana White wanted. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of fun. Like maybe there's a lot of fun fights for him to take. Uh, I'm just I'm I, it, I'm just curious because he can't fight anyone in the top five. Uh, but I know he 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 knows his worth. He's still an exciting fighter to watch if you like the trash talking. So it just really depends on what he wants. At the, and at the end, he might not even fight again. He said he might re- retire. So if he retires, that's that's great. If he fights again, that's great. There's nothing really left to prove for Ben Askren. He's a draw for sure if he wants to keep fighting, assuming yeah. he doesn't want to retire. And, you know, they. I mean, look, it's worth saying they made that deal. You don't make a deal like that to just kick someone aside if they lose a few. Yeah. You're going to try to get that return on the investment. So, yeah, I think Absolutely. he's going to keep fighting, and uh, just a matter of who. Speaking of uh, fighting, uh, we saw at uh, among a lot of celebrities and a lot of mixed martial art artists for the UFC at – the 244 pay-per-view saw thug rose nami Yunus there when should we expect her back because we were worried a little bit about what was next how long the break would be she put on her instagram page she wants to take 2020 make it her year i think we'll see her sooner rather than later 
I think so. Uh, maybe she likes to fight around spring, spring and fall time. So I bet she could come back April or March. Maybe that March card with uh, Tony Habib is rumored to be on. Maybe she fights on the undercard. Maybe she's the co-main event. I know Wiley Zhang really wants to fight her, the new strawweight champion. Uh, and Jacek, uh, if unless they want to give her to Joanna Jacek, then maybe uh, that belt uh, is do... the hardest to foul right now. I mean, it is like a hot potato, and oh, yeah. there's a lot of people owed a lot of fights. It seems like. Oh yeah, or you could do. Uh, I know Tatiana Suarez is out there. If they want to do the uh, Tatiana Suarez Rose fight, and then Joanna and Wiley Zhang, or maybe they want to do Tatiana Suarez versus Wiley Zhang. Maybe they want to do Rose Wiley Zhang. It's uh, it's not. It, the, the the UFC's uh, strawweight division is absolutely phenomenal right now. Uh, I can't say enough positive things about it. So I'm I I don't know when she'll fight or who she'll fight, but uh, it's going to be a big deal no matter what. Yeah, I think there's a lot left for her to uh, to accomplish. It was one terrible finish that could have been a lot worse injury wise. Luckily, it wasn't. So gets her mind right. I think it could be a big year, as she said for uh, Rose Namajunas, Doug Rose. And uh, speaking of which, you mentioned it. With the Walker loss of the light heavyweight division, Jose, is it going to be Ray's Jones next? Is that the fight we should look at? Uh, personally, I like the Corey Anderson fight because Corey okay. Anderson is so hot right now. Uh, either one deserves it. It's a coin flip. Like, whoever gets it, it, they're not undeserving. Uh, no one is going to get screwed out of a title shot because the other one, it's, it's like they're 1A, 1B. I don't really care who gets the shot. I want to see both of them fight John Jones. Both of them have put in the work uh, and earned their, their shot at the belt. Uh, at the pound for pound king, probably the greatest fighter who ever lived. Uh, but Corey Anderson is on the tips of everyone's tongue right now. So if I'm John Jones, I want to fight Corey Anderson uh, for sure. Dominic Reyes is going anywhere. He's younger. Uh, he he can pro- he can beat almost anyone in the division. He's not going anywhere. Fight Corey Anderson now. No. Uh, he's more. He's more. He, he's like like what we talked about. Masvidal be Askren, and he's and 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 Masvidal stole all that shine. Corey Anderson stole Johnny Walker shine too, so it's uh. And then people are forgetting that Jan Blachowicz fighting uh, Jacare Souza in Sao Paulo. If Jan Blachowicz <laughs> wins, that's another contender John Jones could fight. So uh, pretty much pick a name out of a hat from any of those guys, and I'm down to watch it. They all deserve it. I, I like agree. That. I'm just I'm curious with Jones's uh, injury like that he dealt with after the Santos yeah. fight. When do you think this fight will be like? I mean, he wants to fight a lot. I mean, he, if it wasn't for the injury, he would have fought at least one more time this year. So. Yeah, thinking? I'm gonna I'm gonna assume maybe February, okay. maybe uh, January. Conor McGregor wants to fight. Uh, I don't think John Jones is gonna headline over Conor McGregor. No. As weird as that sounds, it is. Weird. Uh, so maybe maybe February or March. Who knows? I don't really know. Uh, the March pay per view is supposedly gonna be Habib and Tony Ferguson. Mm. Uh, I don't want I don't want anyone else. Don't to jinx fight. it. Don't jinx it. You can't. They're gonna have to. They're, they're <laughs> gonna have to it. put another title fight on that card just in yeah. case. So uh, they're gonna have I, to lock I, if I'm the door man, too. If I'm a betting man, I'm gonna say February. I want to see that Ferguson Khabib fight so much, but so do I. We're not going to talk about no, it though, because the more no, we talk about it, not. the less chance yeah. we're going to have it. No, absolutely not going to talk about it. Uh, and, and you mentioned it's Con- like a perfect game. You don't <laughs> want to talk about it. No, when we get when we get like a month out, it's just nobody say anything. There should be no media day. Just no one the- should talk about it until they're in the octagon. Because for all we know, Tony Ferguson's going to trip walking to the octagon. Oh God! I, yeah, that's the last thing we need. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned Connor. Is it going to be Connor Cowboy? Are we getting that? Uh, that I would imagine so. Okay. I would imagine that seems to be the most logical one. If I'm Connor, I'm not fighting Justin Gaethje. I think that's the absolute worst matchup oh, no. you could yeah. get. Uh, an elite level wrestler with heavy hands that uh, with cardio for days and pressure is the recipe for disaster for Connor. Uh, if I'm him, I want to fight Cowboy. Historically, doesn't do good against Southpaws. Holds all the UFC records. Uh, so yeah, if I'm the UFC, if I'm Connor. 
that's the fight I'm trying to get. Well, some star power to start 2020, but uh, we'll wrap this up, Jose Young's on the Money Mitch effects with uh, what we have left in uh, 2019, which is still a lot of very good fights, uh, fight cards coming up. Uh, this Saturday, there's the ESPN Plus fight, and uh, you know we mentioned second on Greg Hardy, and, and everybody said what they need to say about him, but I just want to point out, he's fighting Volkov, first time oh, he's yeah. fighting as an underdog, first time he's fighting somebody really good. And uh, number seven in the rankings at heavyweight, and uh, he's a sizable underdog in this fight. So, duh, <laughs> duh. What should we? Is it going to go as bad as it seems for Hardy? Is my question to you. Well, I don't know because Greg. You said it yourself too. What you want about Greg Hardy? It is what it is. Uh, I'm not a big fan of a lot of how. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a fan, obviously, yeah. of of the of the story and the situation and everything. But if this is anyone other than Greg Hardy, I mean. He's fought. He's this is his fifth fight of 2019. There's been maybe six fighters in the history of the UFC that have had five fights in one calendar year, and he's the first heavyweight to do it. Uh, he's doing the right. He's doing it the right way. Uh, he went to ATT. He started at the ground up. Uh, he's very transparent with his skill level. He's like, I'm not good on the ground. I'm okay on the feet, but I hit hard. He's very brutally honest with, with his own assessments. Uh, ATT is arguably the best gym in the world. He took a couple, took a couple amateur fights, took a couple local fights, went on the contender series two times, won, and gets invited. And it's not like he's fighting a world beater right away. He's fighting guys his level every single way up, and he's winning. Uh, yes, he got that no contest, and yes, he had that inhaler gate that turned into a no contest, but he won on the scorecards. Um, if this is anyone other than Greg Hardy, we're talking about a legitimate heavyweight prospect that could possibly fight for the championship down the line. Now, Greg Hardy still could, but that's not the narrative. The narrative is this is Greg Hardy, and yeah. look at the history he has. So if it was anyone other than him, this is a very intriguing stylistic matchup of a prospect against one of the best heavyweights of all time. Like former Bellator champion, uh, uh, has beaten like the Roy Nelsons, was like two minutes away from beating Derek Lewis, has had like three fights in the UFC where he's had a hundred significant strikes landed. Uh, Alexander Volkov is a bad, bad dude. Uh, and it's really unfortunate uh, that he lost that fight against Jordan Dos Santos because if he had won that, it would have kind of pushed him mm-hmm. higher up into the title contention. But uh, Greg Hardy's a big name, especially in the American scene. Uh, and I think he could get a lot of U.S. fans if he goes out there and does what people expect him to do. He's also very, as you alluded to, respected in the industry. Yeah. So I just mm-hmm. want to throw that out there for the, the, the different sides and opinions we're going to have in this one. Right. Uh, the narrative writes itself. I'm also looking forward to uh, watching some beat fight because he's very oh, fascinating. Yeah. I wish that was a five-round fight. Uh, it's unfortunate that's the main event because like, obviously JDS and Volkov was the main event. But when that fell off, they elevated the uh, the the caters a beat fight to the main event, but still kept with three rounds. That fight was supposed to be Calvin Cater, a Boston native, was supposed to fight Zabit in the co-main event on that Boston card, and now he has to fight Zabit in Russia. So it's a uh, it's a bummer for him. <laughs> it's hilarious. an absolute bummer for him, but he gets the main event spot. So it it ended up oh. uh, it ended ended up working out well. It's like moving like the AFC Championship game from like Kansas City to New England or something. Like we're just yeah, gonna, except, we're just except, except at, in this instance, no one in the crowd speaks the same language as you. Yeah, that's a good and point. You're fighting, and you're fighting a dude who's like three inches taller than you. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I guess you can't really say that about Patriot fans. Maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're another breed of human being anyway. <laughs> but uh, there's that fight. There's the uh, ESPN Plus fight on the 16th that's got uh, some good action as well. But, uh, 
you know, it really ramps up when we talk about getting to that Overeem fight on uh, December seventh. Yeah. Get to see him back fighting. Uh, that card is actually an interesting one because uh, there's another. There, there's quite a few women on that card fighting that mm-hmm. I'm actually interested in seeing too. So when you get to December, I mean, Overeem back in the game. I'm looking forward to there, and then obviously UFC 245, which. I get the feeling that Covington and Usman, it's got a little bit of that Ferguson Khabib where I got to just see this fight happen finally. Yeah, yeah, it's real. That UFC, that UFC DC card, he's Alistair Overeem is now going to fight uh, Jairzinho Rosenstruck. It's an unfortunate situation because I really like Jairzinho knocked out Arlovsky in like 29 seconds of UFC 244. He's he's has a lot of kickboxing experience. I really like that fight, Overeem and Jairzinho. I want I want that fight anyway. But Overeem was supposed to fight Walt Harris, who's obviously had to pull out of that card because his daughter or stepdaughter has been missing for a long time. Mm -hmm, Uh, They fear the worst, like abduction. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was supposed to be on a Tinder date, and she never returns. They found her car like 50 miles away. Police still can't find her or any sign of her. Uh, So naturally, he pulled out of the card because there's no way you can focus on a fight when 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 you can't even find your daughter and she's been missing for like a week, week or two. it's just a bad t- thing all around, and I, I'm I'm bummed that fight is happening under these circumstances. Right. But it is a good fight, and then 245 has three title fights: you got the welterweight fight, the featherweight fight, and then the greatest female fighter of all time is rematching Jermaine Durandamy, who former featherweight champion too. People forget about that; she was the inaugural one before they stripped her of inactivity. So uh, that fight card rules. That also has like Jose Aldo dropping down a bantamweight to fight. Uh, Marlon Moraes. I mean, all those uh, fourth on. That's insane. You got Faber on that card, too. Uriah I mean. <laughs> Faber's fighting Peter Yan. Like, that fight card could be the most stacked card of the year. That, and then you know you know, I have that South Korea card circle. Well, there it is. Korean yeah, we were, we were, <laughs> that's the that. best fight of the year. December I've been waiting 20th. for that fight for five years. <laughs> December 20th. You're doing your pregame routines for that already. I mean, we I've were... been waiting for that fight. I looked through my Twitter timeline. And the first time I tweeted about that was 2015. So I've been waiting for that forever, and we're finally going to get it, fingers crossed. you got to do like a Periscope or like a live stream of that fight. Just some, something <laughs> not, to capture the moment. That's too funny. I'm I mean, so, man, I don't even know if that fight's going to happen. I'm like, I'm on that Tony Habib train where uh, Tony, Korean zombies burn me so many times. Brian Ortega's burned me so many times. Let him just fight. Let him fight tomorrow so we can finally see it. Yeah, that, that that's violent. I mean, we know it. I mean, that is just what, what you want to see. I mean, I think most MMA fans dream up of a matchup like that. So I, I, I cannot wait for that. This is going to be fun. We'll preview those cards at a later date. But a lot of big fights coming down. Jose Young's MMA fighting. Uh, last thing. Got to sneak in some wrestling talk with you. <laughs> I've actually caught a little bit of AEW more than I thought. and it, it, It's a pretty solid product. Like I've been pleasantly impressed with what I've seen. I know they're kind of. I think what the what the most impressive thing is before I turn it over to you is that they are going with like the slow burn on a lot of these on a lot of these storylines and a lot of these gimmicks. So I'm impressed with kind of the development here. Yeah, I'm a little over Chris Jericho. Uh, he's a good promo. He's a good wrestler. He puts together a good psycho like a match like psychology wise. Just don't need to see him as much as we have. I get he's why he's champion. He has his stable. Jake Hager's there, blah, blah, blah. I'm a big fan of their wins and losses actually mattering. Like, if you go on their website, they have the wrestlers' win-loss records in um, singles, doubles, and then, like, three-on-three matches. Mm-hmm. Big fan of that because they're really they're treating it like a sport. Like, hey, this guy's fighting for the title because he's won seven in a row. Let's look so, at the strength of schedule, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm a very big fan of that. Uh, but I agree with you. Slow burn, which is what they should be doing. 
so all in all, uh, they're doing they're 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 putting the right foot forward. I think once the NBA season on TNT kind of kicks in, they're going to get a lot of fallout from that, which is going to be phenomenal for them. Well, they're on the they're on the WWE's radar because clearly, oh, if you yeah. look at some of the decision making, NXT is all over the place. It's on, it's going head to head with them. It's on Raw and SmackDown recently. Uh, they're trying to get that going, and the Fox premiere for SmackDown. I know we haven't Good talked Lord. about that. <laughs> that was they did everything they could to get to make it about these are our stars. This is a celebrity narrative. I mean, you had the WWE title change hands in 15 seconds just so you can get Kane Velasquez out there. Yeah, it was pretty unbelievable. And not to mention Tyson Fury was there. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he, he was. I don't did you? I don't know if you watched Crown Jewel, like the actual match between Tyson Fury no. and Braun Strowman. Don't even watch. Don't the watch match. it. Just go watch Tyson Fury's entrance. That might be the greatest entrance in the history of wrestling. Like, I heard, like they got like sixty million dollars from Saudi Arabia to put that money on. Of course, I bet they spent fifty million just on Tyson Fury's entrance. It was like imagine the, winning the Super Bowl and them shooting off like every firework in the world with laser shows. Oh it was the most God. unbelievable thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm like, damn, Tyson Fury, like. You have the best entrance in wrestling in history, and you've not even wrestled a match. So uh, I was a big fan of that. The rest of the card, eh, eh, that was whatever. It is what it is. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with uh, some WWE storylines right now, but I will definitely check that out. It's worth noting that the boxing world, I think, still reeling a little bit for having to delay their pay-per-view to start. Ah, that's <laughs> so funny. It's an unfortunate situation, but uh, good fight still. Uh, but I think they, I don't know, that they were dumb to put on the same night anyway. They were. Big win for Canelo. Uh, it was a close fight. I had, I, I think I probably would have had him slightly winning, but not by much. I mean, it was yeah. a coin flip at the time. Kovalev's definitely diminishing a little bit. You know what I like the most about Canelo is he's starting to distance himself from Oscar. Love that. <laughs> yeah, he got to fight Andre Ward next. Andre Ward's got to come out of retirement and fight him. Oh, I would boy. pay so much money oh, for boy. that. That's the biggest, if that happens... That's gonna be one of the biggest fights in boxing history. That's gotta happen next. Yeah, I don't. God, what what else could could match that? I mean, if we get some of these, I mean, the heavyweight division's great, but the you know, and, and the heavyweight division is un- the heavyweight division is unbelievable. We got those two big fights against. We got the well, first Wilder has to get past Ortiz, and the Wilder's got to fight Fury. Uh, Ruiz obviously has to rematch Joshua. For all we know, he get a trilogy there, and then the 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 the, the smaller guys. Uh, Loma eventually has to fight Tank Davis. I think mm-hmm. that's going to be a, Tank Davis is like Floyd Mayweather's protege. He actually fought in the co-main event of Maymac, so uh, Loma versus Tank uh, Javante Davis would be a big one. Uh, Triple G is still out there, even though he's looked pretty terrible lately. Uh, if Canelo really wants to pick him off, you could do that next, I guess. But Andre Ward, Canelo, I'm going to speak it into existence. <laughs> Trying your best, man, for sure. I'm doing my best. Uh, and, when, and a last, last note. What should I be uh, paying attention to in uh, in the world of Japanese wrestling? Oh, man, Wrestle Kingdom, man. Hiromu came back. So Hiromu's going to wrestle Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom. Naito's probably going to wrestle... Um, uh, Naito's going to wrestle... Um, God, what's his name? Switchblade. Um, oh, I'm forgetting his name. The guy, the the, ki- the kiwi, the uh, the one. He's the intercontinental championship. It's going to drive me nuts that if uh, that I forgot it. Wow, it's, in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yes, yes. I it is. Wow, I can't remember his name. Not Jay White. Jay White. Yeah, Jay White. Okay. Switchblade. So Naito, Jay White. Uh, Okada's probably going to wrestle. Um, uh, no, Okada's going to wrestle. Uh, um, Ibushi, which is oh, like wow. good God, wow. someone's dying in that one. <laughs> and then 
uh, oh, Jericho's probably going to wrestle Tanahashi in Wrestle Kingdom. So, uh, what's the for, what's the total age in that match? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Minoru Suzuki just at, at legend at like uh, the Minoru Suzuki just beat Jushin Thunder Liger in Jushin Thunder Liger's last match, supposedly, or one of his last matches. Minoru Suzuki, who you know is one of the scariest men on planet yeah. Earth, actually sat down and bowed, uh, put his head to the canvas and bowed, and, and gave him the entire spotlight after the match. So, uh, pretty. If, if anything, we're going to see history. It's going to be Juice and Thunder Liger's last match ever, and he's been wrestling. He wrestled Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit in WCW. <laughs> he wrestled in, like, 1996, and we're about to see his ever, last ever match at Wrestle Kingdom this year. So a uh, lot of – this Wrestle Kingdom card is absolutely stacked, and it's really under the radar considering how big uh, the war between AEW and uh, WWE right now. It's crazy. Uh, it's awesome. I'm glad we're at this point now to see. Uh, wow. I mean, there's just so many good matches ready to go. And we're getting ready. You're, you're warmed up. We didn't even practice that, and you were ready to go. Oh, I'm I'm always – as soon as you called me or texted me to be on here, I was like, oh, we're talking New Japan for sure. <laughs> have to. Have to sneak in, and I just don't tell you where. Uh, we'll definitely good. be previewing that in the uh, months to follow. Jose Young's MMA fighting. Catch his stuff there. Thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Anytime, man. Big thanks again to both Ryan Souls and Jose Youngs for coming on today's show. Also wanted to point out that the college football playoff rankings, the first ones came out. Ohio State was one, followed by LSU, Alabama, Penn State, and then Clemson. Obviously, as a Buckeye fan, it's thrilled to see. It doesn't really mean much now. The schedule's going to play out, especially if you're a Clemson fan. They haven't really played anybody, but teams are going to play in this, you know, one and four playing in a couple weeks and two and three in that ranking or one and two in the AP poll are playing this week in Alabama and LSU, so Clemson's going to have their chance to win out and, and be fine. But big action in college football. Make sure you're all catching that. College basketball started with some matchups as well. Uh, a good start to that season. And always stay interested and invested in hockey because, you know, it's the, best, uh, it's the best sport in my opinion. But a lot of hockey action as well. If you like the Money Mitch Effect, you can catch every episode of it on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect. It pops right up. Leave a rating, a review, subscribe. Help a brother out. You know, you know how it is. Uh, but also follow on Twitter, MoneyMitchM21, and check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. This is it for the Money Mitch Effect. Until next week, I am Mitch Michaels. Thank you again for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon.